pull up a bar stool. Welcome to this week's edition of the Social Media Pubcast. I'm John, and this week I am going to welcome to the pub the man, the myth, the legend, Danny Brown, friend of the show, good friend of mine. Uh, second time he's been on the pubcast, and uh, love this dude. He, you know, I don't go into nearly enough about uh, what Danny means to to my career. And um, but you can find him on at DannyBrown.me. Really well respected blogger. He's a guy that I followed back when I was trying to figure out what the heck I was gonna do. Really helped lay the foundation for me. So I owe a whole lot to this man. So uh, if you want to stay on top of social media marketing, and he's he's a complex dude. You're about to find out. Uh, and he's a really interesting guy, not only uh, on this show, but uh, read his stuff. You're going to love it. So, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. This is John from JohnLumber.com and John Limmer Digital on Facebook. Here with yet another edition of the social media pubcast where each week I invite a different friend to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. Real, real happy to have on the show for the second time, Mr. Danny Brown. How's it going, Danny? Mr. John Loomer, it's going real well and uh, thanks for inviting me back to your little pub. You betcha. Now, you know how it works, Danny. What, what are you drinking today? Today, I've got a Sleeman's Original. Um, which is kind of like a, it's a microbrewery here in Canada, oh. and it's a nice sort of hoppy um, kind of amber flavored beer. Really nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm working on uh, Moose Drool. You familiar with Moose Drool? <laughs> <laughs> um, the actual real Moose Drool or that? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a beer. It's a beer. <laughs> so it's a it's a brown ale made by Big Sky Brewing Company in Missoula, Montana. It says. So, I'm gonna to have to check that out. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it's good. Let, let, I'm trying to do something a little different every week instead, because instead of getting stuck with a Bud Light or something. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was talking. Uh, uh, I had, I had Jamie, Jamie Turner. Yeah, Jamie Turner on, on the show last week, and you know, I was thinking, man, it would be a really good idea to get a sponsor, uh, a brewing sponsor, but not necessarily sponsor the show, but like. Just send me free beer, and I'll mention your beer on the show. <laughs> you know, that's all I ask. I don't ask for, for money. Just give me some beer. Yeah, exactly. It. It's a shame you're not in uh, Canada. Uh, Steam Whistle's pretty good for that. Mm. Awesome. Cheers. I was, I was happy to have you on. Um, last time we talked, uh, your book was on its way, but wasn't out yet. And it's been out for about a month now, right? Influence Marketing with, with Sam Fiorella? Yeah, we um, it shipped a little bit early actually. We were expecting it on May thirteen, and I think it actually shipped May first. So yeah, awesome. So g- give us a little a sense real real quickly about the um, your idea behind the book. Yeah, I mean the idea behind the book was uh, it was kind of twofold, I guess. Um, both Sam and I have been really vocal critics of social storage platforms. Um, and it was really to, to offer an alternative to these as opposed to, you know, just always bitching about them, but not actually, you know, giving an, an alternative to what these guys do. Right. And uh, and really the second one was just the, um, I, I don't know if this is like egotistical or whatever, but it was to kind of take influence back 
to what it actually meant prior to social scoring coming onto the scene. Um, back to the Dale Carnegie days and the, the Dan Edelman days. Um, and really sort of, you know, make it a true business tactic again as opposed to what it currently was or is. Right. So, I mean, you talk about influence uh, in two different ways. Uh, so, the, shifting the focus of uh, focus on the influencer, like, uh, say, the celebrity, the, the famous person, the spokesperson, uh, to the customers themselves. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it doesn't matter what size of business you have. You can be a Sony or you could be a little mom and pop, you know, grocery store on Main Street or whatever. Um, you, you live and die by your customers and, and yeah. what they buy from you. Um, and that goes for online as well as offline, you know, uh, food, uh, brick, brick and mortar stores. But yeah, um, the, the problem with focusing on the influencer is A, it just gives you short-term results because they'll be there for that campaign, then they've gone. Um, and B, there's often very little context and connection between the influencer, which is your social media rock star, mm. and the actual target customer or target client because there's, there's far too much going on in that person's life um, to actually connect with a one-off message from a generic influencer. Right. I mean, it's always... It's, it's probably, I guess you'd consider it part of, um, you know, the, 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 your marketing plan, your overall plan to get some sort of, some, some of the top influencers to endorse whatever your product is. But ultimately, you need that crowd, right? It's, it's the crowd, it's your friends, I and mean, more than ever, it seems, it's your friends that really move the needle. Yeah, I mean, we definitely don't discount the, the larger bubble of the, the social scoring influence model if you like because um, at the end of the day you still need a message to get out like you said to your customers uh, and often the first stage of that can be the high level 50,000 foot view of influence where um, say a, a Rob Scoble can get the initial message out there yeah. but it takes the real tech uh, like for instance um, you're uh, big on podcasting obviously John uh, and you would listen to you know someone like maybe even a David Garland or whatever about mm-hmm. podcasting Right. He'd be more relevant to you than, say, a Rob Scoble or a, a Gary Vee, for example. Um, so it, you need to have that context as to who's actually really influencing your decision at a particular given time where you are in the purchase life cycle, for example. Cheers. Uh, well, one of the uh, one of the topics that, that you hammer out in your book is the, the four M's of influence marketing. This, this, this all happened, I start with an M. You didn't plan that at all. So, uh, what 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 are the four M's? Yeah, the, the four M's. I mean, it's essentially it's your tr- basic marketing, you know, um, metrics. And we tend to forget that when it comes to to influence, we we've got really lazy when it comes to actually measuring and yeah. and being a business person. But yeah, the four M's. You have your make, uh, your manage, your monitor, and your measure. Um, and the, the, these four tie back to the whole point of putting the customer at the heart of the marketing and the influencer circle and working back from there. When you work back from there, you can you know, implement each uh, part of the four M's based on what you need to do at a given time. Okay, so um, let's go through those. I mean, make, mm-hmm. what, what do you consider that, that stage? Yeah, sure. Um, so if you, if you imagine your customer is looking for a smartphone mm-hmm. um, and there's going to be different reasons for having a smartphone. Uh, it could be a business reason. It could be a personal reason, could be family reason, could be just cool. I love the look of the smartphone reason. Um, 
So to understand, you know, how your brand's message is going to get in front of that uh, potential customer at the right time, whether it's awareness, research, uh, intent to buy or actually making the purchase, um, you need to make influencers. The way you do that is you understand, okay, I'm a business person, so I'm really uh, needing the, the phone to have business apps like work, uh, worksheets, flowcharts, etc., and also connect up to my IT, my my you know corporate email, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so the people that are going to influence me about that decision are my work colleagues and the people I work beside and, and my clients, for example. So these are the guys that are going to influence my decision. Uh, we have to, as as a brand marketer or as marketer, sorry, we have to make these people the influencers of your decision about a business form. Uh, so we we see what these guys are doing online. We put out relevant ads. We put out relevant content. We connect with them, you know, uh, using a traditional outreach campaign, and we we help them move our potential customers in the market for the smartphone along to the next stage of the purchase lifecycle, which is the okay. I'm going to look more into this and actually buy this phone based on the feedback, you know, from your work colleagues. So that's the the make part of it. Okay. So, so does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So it's so it's basically. Um... You know, it's the outreach and and kind of creating your base of influencers. Is that right? Yeah, but it's being a lot more granular than say a, a traditional outreach where you say you pick five thousand people um, that have got a clout score over sixty and <laughs> five thousand blog subscribers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. You're you're identifying using you know uh, linguistic mapping, which is just another way of really getting into what people are talking about online at a given time. Um, going back to the smartphone example, if you come to the end of your, say, two-year contract with AT&T, uh, the sort of words that you're going to be using are contract, AT&T, new provider, uh, TELUS, etc., etc., um, versus if you just started your contract or you're maybe just looking to upgrade your phone, you're, you've got a whole new level of words and, and how much weight you need to put into these words. Um, so by using monitoring tools and, and actually digging into that conversation, you can, you know, put the emphasis on, okay, this guy's near the end of his contract, so we need to go this route with the campaign, and these are the influencers that are going to impact that person's decision. Or this person's just started a contract, so we're going to put them on a long tail, you know, uh, marketing message that will take six to 12 months. You drop them into a CRM platform, and you keep tabs on them, so when they're ready to upgrade the phone or replace their existing contract, you've now got the relevant influencers again, based on the message you have to put out to them where they are with their contract. Yeah, and your ability to target these people is so in- incredible these days because of all the, the data information we have. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Uh, it's interesting that we're talking about, you know, um, profiling personas because you can't, right. obviously, you can't measure every single potential customer. It'd be nice to, but that'd be, A, a kind of creepy and a bit, <laughs> bit, you know, a bit cost prohibitive when it comes to technologies. Right. Um, but it's funny that we're talking about, you know, the ability to, to really dig into customer profiles when all this NSA stuff's going on in oh. your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So you've always got to balance it out as well. You know, you don't want to be too invasive, but you're trying to meet a need. So it's, it's, like, it's a good fun balancing game. It's, it's that balance is so funny because it comes out of perspective as well and what we've been uh, and what we're used to and and what we'll put up with because you know just think of what what we were what we would have put up with five years ago or a few years ago and the things that are now kind of part of everyday life and, and I just go back to I saw a quote today 
um, when Facebook was asked like a year ago if they'd ever consider um, allowing advertisers to, to target ads at people by email address. And Facebook responded basically that was crazy and they would never either even entertain testing something like that. And then in September, they started doing it <laughs> with <laughs> custom audiences. Right. Um, but so it's so it, it, it's amazing to me how that how that evolves and how it's really evolving pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned the, the Facebook example there. I think I mean, Facebook changed the game completely. Um, you know, we can bitch and moan about Facebook all we want, but we allow them by the, the amount of data we're willing to share anyway. We allow them to, to put these programs into place because at the end of the day, you know yourself, mate, you, you've done enough A-B testing on mm. various platforms, etc. If something isn't being accepted by your, your customers or your audience, you stop it. Now, obviously, Facebook's continued to do a lot of the stuff that we complain about, but I think that, that just shows how how much we're in this little bubble compared to the, the Joe public oh, yeah. that uses Facebook for whatever needs they use, they use Facebook. Um, and they're happy, you know, to allow ads to pop into the stream and to allow messages to come through their email, etc. Um, and I think going by any kind of social network, we, we're allowing the networks to, to take the directions they are by continuously sharing public data oh, and, yeah. and making ourselves available anyway. And, 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 and allowing them to do these things. I mean, even Twitter is talking about now, uh, or they have been talking about for a while, doing something similar to custom audiences where you can target use, target users in ads uh, mm. with, with email addresses. So uh, it's basically Twitter taking Facebook's lead on that. Like, oh, <laughs> pe people will allow that? Okay, we'll yeah. do it too. <laughs> exactly. And you just know Google Plus is going to be next. I mean, uh, the amount of data these guys have got on us is scary. Right. And I mean, there's really no advertising there now, right? That's kind of the, their selling point. Yeah, but they don't need to, do they? Yeah. They've got, if you think about it, the, the hub's Google Plus. So everything we do from there, they've got access to anyway. So they know to track us on YouTube and put the ads on that we're, you know, right. we're looking at, et cetera. And they over to Gmail. Gmail scares me at times because I'm in there writing a message. <laughs> and based on who I'm writing a message to, yeah. the immediate ad that pops up on the side, I go, wow, okay, that's kind of freaky. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it's freaky, creepy, and <laughs> and helpful. <laughs> really, well, yeah, really exactly. Is. Definitely helpful. I mean, I think a lot of people look past the helpful part uh, as they're get, they're broken into these things. Uh, I think over time they'll, they'll they'll see just how helpful it is and actually start to embrace it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, not not to focus only on the make part here, but. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see again. I know I don't know how much you're familiar with some of these features, but Facebook also rolled out something called partner categories. Are you familiar with partner categories? Um, I'm not, mate. No, yeah, this so, is why I read your blog. Yeah. So uh, it's it's it basically Facebook has these three data partners, right? Data Logics, Epsilon, and there's one. Uh, F, 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 there's one I always forget. It's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, these are data mining companies, right? Uh, and they've they've collected data from users based on their their buying histories over the years, um, and so they're able to generate these profiles of people, and they they send that to Facebook, so you can target people and like you were because you were talking about people I think who who bought a phone uh, or on a phone contract that's expiring or, or something like that, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if there's something specifically around phones. It very likely is. 
Uh, but there's definitely things like I they have bought a car during the last six months or last year or last six years or et cetera. And that car was valued between 10 to 10 to 20,000 or 20 to 30,000 or 30 to 40, or it was a, a truck or an SUV or a sedan or it was a Toyota or a Ford or a Honda, like all these details. And you can target people based on that. And if that data for phone and phone contracts isn't there now, Oh, I'm sure it will be because that's the exact kind of stuff that um, would be really valuable to advertisers. So, oh yeah, uh, for sure. And I, I think as mobile gets even more pervasive, it's it's the next logical platform. It's really going to be, you know. And this sounds really, um, what's the word? Uh, again, I guess it goes back a bit creepy. Um, mm -hmm. But it's the next big data point, I think, for for marketers, advertisers, and brands. Um, because if you've got that, that's kind of like the, the last paywall if you like um you know where obviously people don't want to ha don't want to imagine that their their phones are being uh, tracked that was the whole big uh, hoo-ha with apple recently right. with their iphone but um the, the more that we actually do on our phones like I, I i'll book tickets for the show for example you know i'll check um updates on the weather blah 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 um so all the stuff that we do and, and especially if we've got our gps tracking on there's so much information that we now get um, that, that builds a really strong persona of a demographic area or locale that, that says, you know, uh, this part of the city really likes, you know, green beans and this part of the city hates green beans. Mm. So you know where you're going to go as a green bean salesman. So it's, it's kind of scary and exciting and weird and funky yeah. all wrapped into one, the kind of stuff that we're just, the data that's out there is such a weird. <laughs> it is, it is. So yeah, these days it's much much easier to 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 make that first step, make that uh, mm. I guess that list of influence marketers or influencers. Uh, the next step, manage. Yeah, so a manage. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. There's there's two options you need to manage. You need to manage the the message and and how that's getting shared in and you know promoted to your target audience. Um, so that's making sure your who your influencers are, at what stage you need to be active. What do they need from you? What resource do you need to have, et cetera, et cetera? What support team do you have to have in case there's any questions come, you know, back from the campaign? And then you can do that to the natural progression from that is managing the customer along to the next stage of the, the purchase lifecycle. So if it's currently research, I finished research because I've listened to John about the, the Facebook partners. I'm now ready to go on to the awareness stage and the intent stage. And once I've got the next stage of influencer there, I'm ready to go over to the, the actual, hopefully, the purchase and the after sales, you know, care stage. And so that's really where the manage option comes into place. Right. Okay. Uh, make, makes sense. And then that leads to monitor. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, yourself, you, I mean, you've, yeah. you, you'll do tons of campaigns and you'll, you'll track your traffic and, and what works, what doesn't work in content. But monitoring, it's essentially just a monitoring. What's the perception of the, the campaign? What's it actually doing impact wise for your brand and your competitors? Uh, which ties into the measure point as well. Monitor and measure are very closely interlinked anyway. Mm. Um, and it's really monitoring, okay, there's a, I'll use an Apple example and, and Samsung. Let's say you're doing a campaign, a blogger outreach for Samsung for the new Galaxy Note 2. Um, and you're getting a great bit of buzz from tech bloggers, lifestyle bloggers, business guys, uh, the whole gamut. Um, everybody's raving about this Note 2. And then Apple throw a $1 billion lawsuit at you um, that throws everything in a you know in a uh, confusion you think okay we had this great campaign going now people are curious are samsung products going to get pulled from the 
you know, the marketplace. Um, what does it mean for the Note 3? What does it mean for upgrades? What does it mean for my contract, etc.? Um, so you have to be monitoring what's actually actually happening to your message, where it's getting disrupted, and how you can get that back on track. So this includes sentiment, sentiment analysis, I assume? Yeah, sentiment analysis is a key part of that. Again, going to the, the linguistic mapping where it's really looking at the, the words that are being used and in what context um, and how that's going to impact. Because you, um, your primary campaign might get thrown off track. Your competitor could you know, jump in with an amazing offer that just blows you out of the water. So now you've got to get like, uh, okay, so we're now got certain negative to neutral sentiment around what we're doing. We need to get that back on track. So we now need secondary and tertiary influencers, which could be uh, the real colleagues that you work beside, uh, your you know your buddies that you play football with that have got a similar phone, a similar contract, or a similar car, and etc. Whatever the the product or service is. Um, so the monitoring is really, like you say, the, the brand perception, the perception of the the sentiment, and how we keep messages on on track when there's all sorts of disruptions happening around it. Gotcha, and that, that leads to measurement, which just be measuring success and failure and adjusting, right? Or what, what else yeah. would you add in there? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's seeing which influencers drove action. Because, I mean, we talk about, in the book, we're all about lead generation, sales, customer acquisition, and customer value. Because for us, that's what marketing is all about. Yeah. But we also know that influence is a, a bigger topic than that. It may just be brand awareness. It might just be share of voice, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, whatever your goals are, you have your, your success metrics in place and you just mo- uh, measure to see how they were met, what the investment was to meet them, what the, uh, the comeback was, did it, you know, raise your brand profile by X, Y, Z and really seeing what worked, what didn't work, either cutting or improving and amending what didn't work for the next campaign. And then really the, the whole goal of that is to actually move away from the campaign model and get a longer relationship-based model where you're actually, you know, you're meeting customer needs and turning them into loyal customers versus always having to do a six-month campaign, or sorry, a campaign every six months to target the same customers as opposed to looking after them in the first place based on the measurement that you brought back from the original campaign. Right. And that the measurement, I think, uh, you know, determining success, success and failure, the, 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 the opening stage to creating a campaign is so important in terms of determining. I think first you have to determine what's success and what, what's failure. What do those look like in the first place? And being really clear with yourself about you know what your goals are. Otherwise, that measurement at the end, if you're doing it as you go, uh, <laughs> may not make a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, no, not for yeah, sure. And then the, the good thing is, is obviously you can pivot halfway through. You know? So that's it. That's the beauty of these campaigns. You can pivot and and really work down, oh crap, we were going in a complete wrong direction here. Let's swing that about and sort of rescue this before it goes, you know, becomes a train wreck. Cheers. Um, you wrote about something a few weeks ago. Uh, today's marketer and the changing face of purchasing decisions. And um, you, you you talked about how First of all, it's complicated these days, right? Like all, all different facets. <laughs> I mean, it's it's overwhelming for me. I don't know. Do you have a team of people or you do most of this yourself? No, it's, it's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, the, at our company, there's four of us. But yeah. I'm, I'm the sort of technology and the data guy that, that looks at all this and, and sort of tries to put it into some bucket of sense, if you like. 
Yeah. It's yeah. just a geek in me, you know? So. Yeah, I hear you. But yeah, it's overwhelming. I mean, you got social media marketing, mobile marketing, influence marketing, digital marketing, search engine marketing, email marketing, pay-per-click, banner display, on and on and on. Um, and you, so, so it's, it's multifaceted, but now you're, you're talking about how it's changing and other additions to throw into that, like demographics, locale, purchase history. I mean, speak on that a bit if you can. Yeah, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it, it goes back to um, David, David Ogilvy and his famous quote where the, the purpose of advertising um, is to, to sell, and to sell, you need to understand your customer. Um, and that's true for marketing, for content marketing, for PR, whatever. Anything that's front-facing and the, the customer-facing industry, you need to understand your customer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you reeled off a whole list of marketing you know, uh, tactics there. And... And it can get complicated, but I think if we sort of reel that back and then just understand that that marketing is the the big strategic hub, and everything outside that, like PPC, email, social media, uh, mobile, influence, etc., they're all spokes that can be pulled in as and when needed based on what your goals are and what your you know your needs are at that time. Um, but yeah, we need to. You, you, people are are multifaceted, complex creatures. You know, I mean, I could. I could be sitting down with my wife and we'd be watching a movie that we both love and then for whatever reason, either something just clicks and, and she'll storm off or I'll storm off and for no reason. You know, it's just like we're human beings. Like something just we watch something on the, the movie and it just reminded us of something or whatever. And we, we need to understand that that for customers to or sorry, for brands to truly, you know, be successful and be effective and, and show real, you know, um, achievable ROI for the campaigns. We have, we have to understand that people go through different emotions based on different, you know, different stages of where they are at a given time. Um, and that impacts how receptive they are to our message and what platform needs to put that message out. So there's a lot of stuff that we need to be really cognizant of. And it's, it's knowing that, you know, having the data, we went back uh, to, to what we were talking earlier about this crazy amount of data that we have available to us. It's knowing how to extract the relevant data at a given time to, to allocate it to where a person is at that given time. Yeah, I thought uh, one of the points you were making was interesting in that uh, today's marketer needs to understand local as well as global. And you had some interesting quotes here. Um, one, in Arizona, United States, small businesses are a major con- contributor to Arizona's economy, representing 97% of businesses in the state. 78% of Arizona companies rely on word of mouth when purchasing a new product or service. Um, it's, it's this concept, it's this combination, I think, of old and new. Um, like we're thinking, in, in one sense, we're like, you know, social media, email, like all this digital stuff. But that word of mouth and local, just so important as well. And it's like integrating these these old and new tactics, I guess, uh, to to reach your target audience and not neglecting that uh, that the word of mouth way of uh, generating business, right? No, for sure. I mean, influence marketing at the end of the day, right? it's the the natural evolution of word of mouth marketing. Um, you trust people that are in the same position as you. Um, you know, if I'm looking for a family car. I'm not going to talk to someone that drives a two-seater, you know, Jaguar, for instance. Um, and if I'm looking for the the freshest uh, fruit to buy for my kids, 
I'm not going to go to McDonald's and ask them, you know, what's the freshest fruit I can buy for my kids? Um, it's we connect both in, in our own personal lives when it comes to who we decide to, you know, hook up with for the rest of our life and, and have kids with. We connect with like-minded people and, and who we're attracted to um, and who we trust. So the same goes back to business. You, you, at the end of the day, we're still people to people, you know, um, and we take the recommendations of people that are in the same boat as us and that are relevant. And a lot of the time that is local because, yeah. you know, local cultures and local offers and local, you know, um, retailers, etc., cater to a demographic because they are local. And it's why huge retailers like Walmart and that are generally out of store, uh, sorry, out of, you know, out of city retailers on the big retail sites because they, they, they're just big box sell, you know, stack them high, sell them cheap. Whereas it's a local retailer that really identifies with the local customer. So, yeah, I mean, we, it's, it's a mix of the old, which is putting the legwork in and really understanding who your customer is and getting to know their likes and needs and wants. And it's mixing it with the new, which is a huge amount of crazy data that we can really narrow down to the minutest detail if we want to exactly what that particular persona looks like, you know, based on uh, location or demographic or sex, etc. Right. Yeah, those recommendations from people who are like-minded so critical and um so not to not to always tie everything back to facebook but um I, that's why i find facebook advertising to be so successful because so you're on the network with your friends you're on on there because your friends are there in the first place in most cases and then you get these ads uh saying your friend likes this page your friend checked in at this restaurant your friend installed this app on and on and on and that to me like I, I mean, I think we almost, uh, the, the, the definition of word of mouth is, is evolving. It's not necessarily talking. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, so, so just seeing this within uh, Facebook uh, is kind of an, a new, new way of defining uh, what, what word of mouth means. Yeah, no, I completely agree, mate. It's, you know, it's, it's essentially, oh, well, John likes that. I trust John in that topic. I'm going to check it out. Right. And Facebook seems to recognize this as well. Um, they made an announcement within the last, I don't know, week, I think it was a week ago, that uh, they're completely changing their their ads. It's not really clear how how exactly they're doing this, but within the next few months, um, they're going to be streamlining those ads, make, taking away like 13, 13 or 14 of the different uh, ad options. It's kind of stuff that scares me when I hear it. Um, but the the bottom line is that what they recognize is that Facebook ads, when they're successful, are social. So whenever possible, so basically, uh, advertiser and go advertiser will go in and have an objective as opposed to picking an ad unit and say, "Hey, I want to get more page likes." So Facebook is going to generate these ads. And it's going to be focused, and, and whenever possible, there's going to be this social context, and Facebook will automatically add that. So whenever your ad is generated, shown to a user, uh, if they've, they have friends who have also liked your page or have commented your, on your stuff, they, Facebook will automatically surface that. So it's that word of mouth, uh, Facebook understanding uh, really you know, what works, and that's your friends uh, recommending product, service, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be interested to see what happens. I think uh, we're going in the right direction, that's for sure. No, definitely. It, it kind of reminds me of Get Glue, um, mm. you know, and the social experience it is on Get Glue. And, 
and how you can become fans of a series because your friends watch it or etc. So it's yeah, I mean, we're, human beings are social creatures by nature. You know, um, it, it's funny. I I keep joking, but well, I don't joke. I I, I mention it. Um, there's no joke involved. Yeah. Um, but I mention it to my my colleagues at our company. It's like because we're remote, we'll get together, you know, downtown Toronto, um, every now and again for a a group meet just to keep the the face to face going. But I, I really miss the, the the sort of water cooler moments that you have in an office or a, you know, or whatever. As opposed to it's great being at home and working from home and and being able to drop the kids off in the morning and settle down for work or whatever. But I do miss that social connection, yeah. you know. And um, so it's. I think as people were social butterflies anyway, um, so if Facebook or anybody can tap into that with their platform, then it, it makes sense to, to go that route. And I think it, like you say, I, I can see it being hugely successful. It would just be natural for us to, to say, oh, X, Y, Z, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it, it, it's such an interesting thing. You talk about the, the water cooler. Uh, man, I, I've been working from home now for five years. And so, but but it's like those big those five years, are, so, so much has changed, right? And the way mm. the way we uh, communicate and socialize. Um, so yeah, on one hand, it's like I miss that socialization, that being around people because I'm not around people as much as I probably should be because I'm stuck in my office. I see my family a whole <laughs> lot more than I used to, though. You know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, because of all these things with Facebook and Twitter and blogging and everything else. I'm exposed to and communicate with so many more people uh, at one time than I ever would have five years ago when I was actually in the office only talking to those 10, 20, 30 people or whatever it was. So, yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting change and a shift in dynamics. Uh, there has to be a balance there. I need to actually talk to three-dimensional people every once in a while. You should get like life-size cutouts and just yeah. rotate them. <laughs> I should, I should. Last call. Uh, so, Danny, man, we're, we're already uh, just about out of time here. Uh, I've asked the bartender for my for my bill. I'll, t- I'll take care of you this time. Make sure to get me next Cheers. time. I appreciate that, being the tight Scott that I am. <laughs> so, so tell us, where can people find you, Danny? Um, yeah, sorry, cheers. I was just taking a, a swig there, and you caught me half a swig. <laughs> Um, so you can catch me at my main blog, which is dannybrown.me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Danny Brown. Uh, the book site is influencemarketingbook.com. And our company is ourcompany.ca, which will be changing over soon. So don't go to that address at the moment. Go to that address very soon. Awesome. Well, you're, you're welcome back anytime, Danny. I love having you on the show. And I hope to see you in, in the real world sometime soon. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Danny, for being on the show. Just an absolute honor to have the guy. You know, we covered a bunch of different topics. Make sure you check out the show notes. And there's some links there to some of the topics and to get his book and read his blog, on and on. Uh, and while you're there, hey, if, if you listen to this on iTunes or Stitcher or a service like that, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review because that's how we're going to get huge, people. That's how we're going to do it. Because you can't just have a pub and invite two people and, you know, we, we got to have a big party. We're going to have a party. So uh, make sure you check in again next week. Oh, man, we've got an awesome slate of guests coming. I'm not going to spoil the fun, but you're going to love it. All right. So keep doing what you're doing. Till next time, do awesome things. I'm out.